is Andy. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today we're going to be watching Hey Dude. The episode is called Melody's Brother, Season 3, Episode 11, aired June 15th, 1990, and was written by Graham Yost. Chelsea. That's not I'm correct. It's written by Judy Spencer. That's not, that can't be right. Because I did a whole bunch of research about somebody else. So <laughs> No, therefore. she wrote this and several other episodes of Hey Dude. Now, there was somebody listed as a story editor. Uh, that might have been, oh, what's her name? Nope. I think it's the other way. Fuck me. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to a very slapdash uh, edition of You Wrote What? You story edited what? <laughs> you story edited What? <laughs> What? All right, so let no, I can save this. It's fine. No, it's all right. I'm doing it on the fly. Fuck it, I'll do it live. All right, so not only, uh, boy, that Judy Spencer, mm-hmm. I did a bunch of research on her. Yeah. And not only did she write for the TV series Student Bodies, mm. of course, from 1997 to 99, the one that star- starred uh, Ross Hull. No. <laughs> Uh, she also did uh, an episode of Doug called Doug's Cookin'. Oh, um, that's cool. And Doug Loses Dale. Remember, they did the two oh. episodes back-to-back, Courage the Cowardly Dog style. Doug yes. pairs with Patty to cook a meal for their cooking test. Then, Doug volunteers to babysit for Skeeter's baby brother, Dale, and Uh-oh. loses him hmm. and has to find him. Uh-oh. You probably didn't have to throw in that last part, Doug. <laughs> IMDb description. I figure they didn't. <laughs> like Let most him of the go. Episode, yeah, most of the episode wasn't getting over it. Yeah. We're, we're taking it out on that <laughs> lost kid. So. Look, you can have other kids. Um, but speaking of story editors, uh, Chelsea, you were mentioning off mic that you we didn't mention enough about story editors. Yeah, I was saying that. Yeah, yeah so I've, I'm just for you, I decided to... For no reason whatsoever <laughs> to look into Graham Yost, who's the story editor on this episode sure. of Hey Dude. Uh, and I'm glad I did. Well, turns out that Graham Yost, the story editor on this, um, was uh, the, the person who also wrote Speed. Uh, the movie? And, yep. And Speed 2, Cruise Control. Wow. And also created the television series Justified. What? So... <laughs> Oh my god! Hey, so dude. this has been another episode, <laughs> another edition of YWW. You're with who? <laughs> you worked with Graham Yost. Uh, yes. So that's an exciting bunch that of is. news, all wow. up in your face again. The you wrote what up to the impeccable standards that is that we are holding it to. Oh it is God. not all over the place. Not at all. Slapdash. Mumbly. No, slapdash. I, I don't even know why that word came up. No. Um, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Get, get us out of this. Okay, we have a snack. Uh, we have a great snack today that I'm very excited about. Um, it is honey from a farm called Zach and Zoe Sweet Bee Farm. Um, mm-hmm. And this is... Uh, honey that you can get if you live in New York, you can get it at Chelsea Market. If you don't live in New York City, you can order it on the internet. They have a lot of different flavors. The flavor we have is a wildflower with ginger root. And this is raw honey, which means it has not been filtered or heated. And this particular flavor has been mixed with uh, ginger root to provide a distinct flavor profile. 
Zach and Zoe Sweet Bee Farm is a family farm um, in uh, New Jersey. And yeah, so I'm really excited about this. I love honey. I buy a lot of different kinds of honey and um, I'm pumped to try this. If you told me that and that we were going to be talking about honey from New Jersey, I would have definitely gotten a different idea. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now coming to the stage, it's honey from it's New honey Jersey. Honey from New Jersey. Chelsea, you can really, you can really taste the bees in this thing. Um, I don't, I don't know how to describe the 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 honey profile taste in this, other than man, that really tastes like honey. But it does have a gingery taste in it too. Yeah, it's a really nice gingery taste. I can imagine this would be good in a hot toddy, or this would be or good in your tea. A big cup of tea that I happen to have right <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. I. That's the that's one of the few times that I've looked at a cup of tea and said, holy fucking shit, because I realized I had honey to put in it. It was very delightful. It was a good moment. Yeah, this honey is delicious. It's got a little bit of a kick. It's not spicy, but it does have that ginger kick. Yeah, um, it really does. It's really, really good. I like it a lot. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Zach, Zach and, Zoe. and Zoe. Zach and Zoe, when you're done buying their definite acoustic album that exists. <laughs> yes. Pick up some of their New Jersey's finest honey. Yeah, it's delicious. It's actually an interesting, their little story about their brand on the website says that they moved to New Jersey and their youngest child, Zach, of Zach and Zoe, uh, has asthma and very bad allergies. And they worsened when they moved to this rural community. And several people told them, and this is something I've heard too, that if you eat honey Mm -hmm. from the area you live in, then you consume pollen from the area that you live in and it can help with allergies because it builds up a little bit of a tolerance in your system. That makes sense. Um, so they started experimenting with, with honey to in, in the face of this asthma and uh, allergies, which I thought was pretty cool. Hey, dude, yippee Kayai, what? <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about Hey Dude. This was a big, big staple of my life. And Same. also, um, this is what the internet refers to as the lost episode of Hey Dude, the one we're talking about today. Yeah, it's real. Oh, man. And you can really tell what with its controversy. <laughs> well, I am desperate to find out why this is a lost episode. Um, according to Hey Dude Reviewed, which is a website, uh, either the master tape was in poor or completely unusable condition or slightly more sinister, Nickelodeon misplaced or lost the master tape out of disapproval of the subject matter. Whatever the reason, it was not and still is not available digitally on iTunes or Amazon Instant Video. However, it was included on the Season 3 DVD set and the Walmart exclusive Complete Series DVD set. And so what we have, what we have found in the darkest yeah. corner of the internet is likely someone's recorded version of their dvd set yeah. or maybe a, i mean it doesn't look as bad as a vhs tape taped it's off the tv got, might have been 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say. It does look like it's been taped off of an airing, like it yeah. might be a VCR recording of it, because there's some some tracking issues. So, like, yeah. very minimal, but whatever, that's fine. It's, there's also again, no picture of it on IMDb. There's a description, yeah. but there's no picture. <laughs> It's, I, I was really expecting that somebody died in the middle of this episode. <laughs> uh, so, Hey Dude, if you didn't grow up in the Mark and Della or Greg households, is an American Western comedy series that <laughs> yeah. aired from July 1989 to August 1991. Total of 65 half-hour episodes produced over five seasons, originally broadcast on Nickelodeon. It is set in the fictional on the fictional Bar None Dude Ranch near the city of Tucson, Arizona, and portrays the lives of the ranch's owner, Mr. Ernst, his son, Buddy, um, a female ranch hand named Lucy, and four teenage summer employees. And it was specifically aimed toward a teenage audience. Sure. It's saved by the cowbell. High five. <laughs> I just came up with that. I feel so good about my life. That's Goodbye, amazing. Goodbye, everybody. Chelsea will do the rest of That's this episode. amazing. Okay, so the ordinary world of the show is... It's an endless summer. Uh, these kids are working here, and Mr. Ernst is a nice guy and kind of a mentor figure, but also pretty inept. Yeah. And uh, there's sort of flirtations, and there's uh, best friendships that spring up, and a lot of what they do centers around whatever guest is there that week. It's a yeah. good. It's sort of a good premise for a franchise because it's like a hotel. You know, people check in and check out, and so. There's the sort of underlying character development of the staff members, especially the four teenage staff members. They're kind of the center of the show. But then, unlike a high school, uh, a dude ranch that's a tourist destination has people coming in and out all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a hotel with horses, and that's mm -hmm. it. 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 This stinks of uh, uh, somebody went, uh, some development person went to like a dude ranch or just saw city slickers and was like, <laughs> well, why don't we just do this? Just yeah. Do I that. mean, it's not a bad premise. It made me want to work on that's a dude fine. ranch. Like, it's fine. Um, they, they, I, I think anything that shows teenagers kind of living autonomously out from under yeah. the roof of their parents is going to be a big draw for middle Absolutely. school and junior high school kids. And it's nice to have a fantasy take on Kid Nation uh, oh for a change. God. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah this is uh, Kid Nation plus adults. So. Yeah, kid, kid and adult nation. Just right. nation. Just, just um, a dude ranch just nation. Dude ranch nation. Uh, yeah, and you know all of the all of the stories have something to do with you know the the petty squabbles as well as uh oh a horseback riding accident and then some Native American lore. We have a very prominent Native American character in here um, whose name is Danny in the He's, show. Yeah, I mean, like truly, how often can you say that about something it's that aired on Nickelodeon in the '90s? Pretty solid. Pretty solid, uh, and in and in a respectful way in the early '90s. That's fucking nuts. So yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get into this episode. First of all, you cannot convince me that Ernst isn't somehow being played by Paul Feig. <laughs> I can't, I don't know how the time stream lines up, but it's just Paul Feig playing I've this dude. I've never seen Paul Feig and Mr. Ernst in the same room, so there's that. No, but here's who you will see in the same room with uh, Ernst, because uh, I looked him up to make sure that he wasn't in any way related to Paul Feig. Right. He's, he's not. Uh, but the actor, David Brisbane, has been married since 1988 to Laura Inez, who played Carrie Weaver on ER. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They've been married forever. Very interesting. Cute. All right. Okay, Mr. Ernst. 
Yeah, he's also Paul Feig. So, <laughs> Ernst is uh, on his way to take care of some plumbing issues in one of the rooms, and he has his son, Buddy, with him. And Buddy is trying to tell him that he has uh, developed some real plumbing skills. And uh, this is very clearly a one-to-one uh, ratio of... I'm sorry, this, his plumbing skills are substituting in for, I'm a grown-up, take me seriously for this episode. Yeah, his dad's like, you don't need to read up on plumbing, just go with your gut, which does not seem like the right approach to plumbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buddy says, oh, you you know, listen to me, I really know about this. And then Jake, who is an employee and also Ernest, uh, Ernst's nephew, Buddy's yeah. cousin, uh, shows up and... He says, what's going on? And, he, and Buddy's like, my dad treats me like I'm four years old. He never listens to me. He's, you know, I'm very frustrated. And then Jake kind of offhandedly says, yeah, I mean, he's not going to respect you until you move away and go to college. And Buddy hears the first part of that sentence. Yeah, he, he's, college is thrown out the window. And he's like, well, why don't I move in with you guys? Yeah. And Jake's like, no. Here's the thing. Jake, Jake hears this idea, immediately says, no, I don't want to do this. Then says no a hundred more times throughout this episode. <laughs> and Buddy does not listen. It's pretty maddening. Uh, anyway, so before they can get any further, uh-oh, fucking Ernst uh, breaks a pipe. And a, there's a pipe burst and water goes everywhere. And yeah. we, the audience audience cannot our sides are split from laughing yeah and i smell a b plot with this whole i am a big kid now let me move out of the lodge down the dirt path to the teenage boy bunk because well, buddy's Chelsea, with that uh, with and... that burst pipe it sounds like you're gonna smell a bm plot as well oh my god so because b- the plumbing I get it. Nope. Poop jokes. Got it. But I um, used a voice for it, so you can't hold me responsible. So it's somehow better. Um, Buddy is 13, and the rest of the kids are like 16 or 17. The, sure. I want to call them counselors, but they're not counselors. They're just employees. And It is, yeah. They're, they're just they're cow hands, but not really, <laughs> because most of their duties are, here's some towels for you. Yeah, they're just like the kids with the Saved by the Bell gang goes to Malibu Sands. It's just they're, the same yeah. sort of a thing. Um, yeah. Also, according to... Uh, one of my research sources, this is an out-of-order episode, it's another Saved by the Bell thing, which seems to have been taped before No More Mr. Nice Guy, in which Buddy is shown to be already living with Jake and Danny. Oh. So, and Judy Spencer also wrote that episode, so she likely wrote this one first, and then they filmed them, and then they aired them out of order. Well, who was the story editor on that other one? Um, Yeah, well, now you look silly. Paul um, Paul Feig. Makes sense. <laughs> that episode has a bow tie on it. No, it's uh, theme song time. And the Markadel kids sang this song like it was an old I'm country sure standard. We just straight up just like sang it like it was a real song. Oh, who did the who did the low parts? Probably Noel. Probably Noel. Yeah, it's um it's a it's a real knee slapping banjo that thing where you have a wash tub that's a bass guitar somehow. Good time. I wonder who wrote this. This is not part of the Alan Thicke cinematic universe, but not at all. No, you would be able to tell what with Alan Thicke being on there. Yep. Um, yeah, it's 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 a fantastic song, and I remembered it word for word. Word for word. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's stuck in my brain forever. So now we get to the meat of the episode. Melody, played by Christine Taylor, who is probably the person who came out of this with the biggest actual acting career. Right. Um, you know her from Zoolander. She's married to um, Ben Stiller. Uh, she plays Melody, and Melody is excited because her oldest brother, Billy, is driving cross-country to come and visit her. It's his last summer before he starts med school. She just can't wait for him to get here. She's talking everybody's ear off about it. 
Brad, her best friend, Brad, Brad is a girl. Brad mm-hmm. is over it. Danny is over it. And Melody is just like pacing the lodge. Just can't wait for her brother to show up. Right on. I'm sorry. Uh, real quick. Uh, the person who wrote this theme is named Dale Jarvis. And this is all he ever did. Interesting. Yeah, this is his one lone credit is the music department on Hey Dude. And then I'm assuming he just disappeared into the sunset. When you hit Nirvana on the first try, there's no point in taking a second swing. Yep. So just then, Buddy... I don't think it's fair to compare that. It's com- it's fair to compare that song to Nirvana, by the way. Oh, and, sorry. And it's yes, and uh, its groundbreaking influence. <laughs> yes. Dale it's Jarvis depth. would go on to uh, commit suicide. No, <sighs> man, I'm sorry. I just I don't have I have even you less of a filter anymore. It's Dale just Jarvis like, would go on to found the Foo Fighters. <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> the Dude Fighters. <laughs> the Dude Fighters. Yes. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. So uh, Billy is is coming here. I'm sorry. Where do we leave off? What okay. So Melody won't I'll shut up about her brother. Just then, yeah. Buddy comes in. He's trying to persuade Jake to let him move into the the bunk with the guys. Um, Danny, yeah. who also lives in the bunk, hears catches wind of this, and he's like, "No, you absolutely can't move in with us." And they start making up reasons why he can't move in. He's like. Uh, we have bad foot odor and we snore and nothing they say is going to dissuade this 13 year old from wanting to live with two 16 year olds though. Like that's the dream when you're 13. Nothing dissuades him, especially stuff like no, or we don't want you or seriously (laughs) don't. So they tell Ernst about Buddy and, and Ernst kind of gets the hint that he needs to start uh, taking Buddy a little bit more seriously. Uh, or else he's going to lose him. And then fucking Billy arrives, everybody. Yeah. Billy arrives, and we get a lot of early 90s action right away. Yep. Uh, he's got he's got a bit of a, a mullet, some fucking pink shirt, turquoise salmon shirt action. Shirt. Yes, yep. Salmon salmon shirt. And then uh, he, he says hello to uh, Melody by calling her Tweety. And then he's brought her a little present. That's a piece of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Remember yeah. when that was the thing to have people? I wonder if they're just people just with little chunks of, of rock in their house. Because I remember that like so many people had little pieces of the Berlin Wall yeah. all yeah. across the all, the people that I knew. Didn't make any sense. I thought he was gonna, they were going to make him out to be some sort of big world traveler or something. But then later in the episode, he says something mm-hmm. about buying her another piece of the Berlin Wall. And I was like, oh, you just straight yeah. up bought this somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Never I don't mind. think implied that Billy was instrumental in tearing down the wall himself. <laughs> hey, I got drunk and Mr. ran my car into this wall. tear down this wall. <laughs> hey, dude, tear down this wall. <laughs> Oh, my God. So Jake uh, offers to take Billy's bag to his cabin, and Billy insists. uh, He's like, oh, no, I'll carry that one. Suspicious. The other bags will be sent to his room. Um, And Melody says it's time to give her brother a tour of the Bar Nun. They talk about his starting med school and his girlfriend, Allison, and it's like all... Very hunky-dory so far. Sure. Um, There's this little bit of... uh, Oh, I'll carry the bag. But otherwise, like, he showed up on time. She's happy to see him. Yeah. He's Nothing happy to is, see her. 
there's nothing implied that's in that's wrong with Billy. Um, he's going to med school, all this sort of thing, and he really talks about his girlfriend Allison, like she says hello, and also we might get married, right? You know, like really, it'll become disturbing later on. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Billy can't stick around. He's made some plans with his frat brothers that live in the middle of the fucking desert. I guess. <laughs> no, he <laughs> says they're in Tucson, which is really weird because. Mm. He he's been driving all day from the East Coast or wherever, and he's like, "Yeah, my frat brothers also just happened to be in Tucson." And I was like, "This is either a plot contrivance or a straight up lie. There is no reason for your frat brothers from the East Coast to randomly be in Tucson this weekend." If he didn't invite the other two guys with with him in a second, I would say that he's just making this up so he can go into town. But he's like, "Come with us to a bar." And and then what was he going to do? JK, it's just the three of us. <laughs> right. It's just, um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to trick some, some young kids into coming youngins. to a bar with me. Yeah. We'll talk about more about that in a minute. But Melody is like, I thought we were, we were going to hang out. And he says, yeah. oh, I thought you'd be working all afternoon. So I made these plans, but don't worry. We'll spend the rest of the week together. And then he just ditched her, ditches her, which is suspicious. Says, but before he leaves, he says, save the last dance, okay? And it doesn't make any sense. That's it doesn't all. make it, any sense. There was like a thing before that about him trying to dance with her instead of answering questions. And it's just like, it's no, really no, it's weird. not a thing. Really weird. Yeah. Um, but everything's hunky-dory. No call to adventure yet. And we're like many minutes into this episode. So mm-hmm. now finally something weird happens. Buddy shows up in the teenage boy bunk. Buddy shows up in the boy bunk, in the teenage boy bunk. And he says... Yeah. Um, well, I'm just, I just, uh, talked to my dad and he won't let me move in here. And they're like, oh, bummer, dude. Yeah. And I wrote, this was a short B plot. Like we've resolved it in the first six minutes, but apparently right. now once buddy leaves, now they feel guilty and they're like, oh man, he lo- like, he respects us and he idolizes us. And if he lived here, we could make him be our, yeah. Danny says slave. Yeah. Guilt, which- guilt isn't part of it. The, the, they realized they could have uh, exploited uh, an underage child to do their bidding. And they were like, oh, we missed our chance. Yeah, uh, it's not a not a good look, especially to invoke the word slave. It's like no. it just say servant. It's it's it didn't Butler. age well. What, um, whatever happened hasn't to aged well for the last five hundred years to use that <laughs> word. Turns out. Um, so now we actually have a call to adventure. Billy yeah. comes in, the brother, and says to Jake and Danny, dudes he just met, exchanged six words with. Hey, He's dudes like, he just met. Hey, dudes. Do you want to ride into Tucson with me and come join my frat bros for some drinks? And they're like, uh, we're underage. And he goes, oh, we'll just go somewhere that doesn't check ID. Leaving out the obvious plot hole around the fact that he would never ask these kids to go drinking with him. These yeah. kids that he just met who will immediately tell his sister who he's trying to hide this from. Right. He would never in a billion years come ask these kids if they no. want to go drinking with him. Yeah. Leaving out that enormous plot hole. Um, this is our call to adventure. Billy is obviously shady. He's hiding stuff from Melody and, and somebody we don't know quite. Is it that it's going to come down to somebody has to make her aware or -hmm. she has to grapple with this or we're not quite sure whose journey it is or what, or what journey we're on, but this is definitely our call to adventure. And Jake immediately says, I'm not into frying my brain cells or destroying my liver, which and yeah, great. and I mean, look, they're they're doing the automatic call and response for children, which is, would you like <laughs> yes. to drink? And it's like, no, I don't want to die. It destroys bodies. It's yeah, and also the devil. 
Um, right. Or something. Uh, so, yeah, and Billy makes some good points. He's uh, number one. In, I'm sorry. His points are all invalidated by asking 16 year olds to come drink. <laughs> to go with drinking, him. yes. Yeah, but he's like, look, I'm just having a couple beers. Maybe ease up on me. And they're like, no, you're going to die, Billy. Billy, you're going to die. Also, and then, Billy is 21. Billy is old enough to be yeah. drinking. So, um, yes. And Danny, Danny then brings up that he had yeah. a family friend who was a drunk, and he says that that was uncool. Which is mm-hmm. seems like a just strange word to use to talk about this person that he used to respect who became a drunk. And yeah. after uh, Billy leaves and is like, all right, see you later, little narcs, um, <laughs> they, they discuss the fact that neither of them want to go and that Billy's breath smelled like alcohol from like eight feet away, which is how far yes. away from him they were. Yeah. And then yep. Danny drops into this bit about... It's, this is weird, right? Danny, yeah, well, Danny is... Uh, the Native American character. Yeah. And he, he brings that up a lot. He talks a lot about, you know, like in the Southwest, sure. it's a large segment of the population. It's it's uh, something he's very proud of. And he says that he had a, f- a friend of the family that he says betrayed all of them by becoming, quote, another Indian with a drinking problem. Yeah. And he basically lays it out like, therefore, I can never drink because that would make me a stereotype, which is like a really weird thing for a writer to put into the mouth of a character who's, I'm guessing, ethnic group they don't share. You know what I mean? Like, part of me is sort of like, wow, okay, we got some, we like got culturally heavy here for a second on a a Nickelodeon show. Mm -hmm. Um, But also it's kind of like, this is a, I feel... Uh, the I feel the pressure to be exceptional and never touch alcohol because if I do, I'll be letting down. I'll be playing into this stereotype. Yeah, it's when you don't when you don't, when you have episodes like this. We run into this a ton of times when there's no specific focus on like you know if you or maybe you get studio notes that's like hey we need to make sure people know from the beginning that hey dude does not condone alcohol uh you know abuse or right. use at all apparently you get this scattershot approach where it's like I don't want to drink because it's unhealthy. Yeah, that's true. And I don't want to drink because of this reason. You get a bunch of characters saying all of the different possible reasons not to do a thing. And it just all comes, it's all very overwhelming and everything feels super tangential and it's kind of like, cool. So, and none of it feels like a solid reason that you as an audience member can take away from it. Right. Unless it's very specifically pointed at you. It's like, I They've also, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's Okay. They've also done a thing in this episode where they've made the person with the alcohol problem 21 years old. Mm-hmm. So it they can't fall back on the normal sort of like teen drinking cautionary tales. So they have to kind of go into left field for their why you shouldn't drink exemplars because yeah. this kid is plenty. He's graduated from college. He's plenty old enough to be drinking. So they have to be like, yes, but it ruins lives because they can't be like, your parents will catch you and you'll get kicked off the soccer team. Like that is not going to hold up for this guy. And the compact nature of the episode at least 22 minutes. You know, they have to give all of Melody and uh, Billy's background while they're solving the problem. So it's kind of like you don't even... You know, it's fine. Let's yeah. let's catch up to the, the episode here. Uh, we go yeah. back to the courtyard where Mel is waiting for Billy to come back from drinking with his frat brothers in town. Yeah. Just a couple beers, Chelsea. Don't... Chelsea! 
After which I'll be driving because there's no other way for me to get back to the ranch from Tucson. Um, But now we've we've crossed the first threshold. Uh, I'm saying that this waiting, she's waiting so long we get a montage. And now we're in a we're in a special world where Melody's brother isn't as great as she thought he was. And she maybe the journey is that she needs to develop an adult understanding of him and their relationship or they need to come to some sort of new adult uh, understanding of each other or whatever it is. But we're in this special world now where him calling her Tweety Bird and her being like, he's my hero, he's the greatest guy ever, like that's about to all change. That is in the process of changing. Absolutely. Uh, And speaking of crossing, Billy stumbles over the first threshold (laughs) and pretty much just like pukes everywhere and sits down. I mean, he doesn't, but it's just kind of like he he makes like a coughing noise, but it's a real wet cough. So it's like, are you all right? Yeah, he's stumbling around. It's still daylight. It's still daylight. Daylight. <laughs> Look, I, I don't up. think it's it's not helping that it's an old west thing. I'm like, oh shit, Billy's got consumption. <laughs> he's got <laughs> fucking. He's got he's got the black lung he's from working TV. in the mines. <laughs> so she's she's was worried about him. Melody was worried, and she's still uh-huh. worried because he seems sick. His jeans are ripped. He drops his keys, and Melody is a character who's kind of. Um, a bit naive. Mm-hmm. She's not very worldly. She's the youngest. Uh, she's like three older brothers. And they've, you think up to this point, season three, you know that her parents are divorced, but you don't know too much more about her home life. And she's done things in the past that kind of demonstrate that she's not the most savvy character. Sure. So at this point as an audience member, you're like, does she even realize what's happened? Does she... Because he's like, no, I'm just tired. I drove all day. I'll take a nap. I'll be fine. And you don't really know, like... Or you might assume she's buying that, you know, like this is, she doesn't know enough about alcohol abuse to understand that he's blind drunk. She doesn't say, did you drive like this? Which would have been my first fucking question. Absolutely. Or no, really think about it. Why is your knee bleeding uh, right now? Uh, And instead she, she develops sort of like an exasperated overprotection of Billy, which is is sort of strange, and everybody in the world shows up at this moment. They're like, "You want more <laughs> right, towels, Billy? Can I help you open the door, Billy?" <laughs> um, and so Billy goes in to take a nap, and uh, this is when Danny and uh, Jake, yes, yeah. Jake and Danny, tell her, um, you know, Billy might be a, a problematic drinker. And yeah, they're like, he's been drunk all day. This. They're also saying this right in front of his fucking door, so it's not <laughs> like this isn't a clandestine conversation that you're yeah. having. Anyway, uh, so yeah, he, she she's like, he's not, everything's fine. Yeah, she's like, he's Shut just up. tired. I know my brother better than you do, and yeah. And you don't know, again, is she, does she believe this, that, that everything's fine, or is she just trying to cover? You don't know. Um, the guys leave, and of course, as soon as they leave, Ernst and Buddy show up to fix some more plumbing, they're and they're continuing their tour of, their Mario Brothers tour of the dude ranch, yeah, trying to plumb I'm, everything. <laughs> um, yeah, they're like, we need to get into Billy's room right this fucking second to do some plumbing. And I don't, I don't. <laughs> I've developed a real sense about how I deal with naps uh, during this quarantine. But if you, if I was at a hotel and I was like, I'm yeah. going to lay down and take a nap. And they're like, we need to fix the plumbing right now. I'd be like, no. Yeah. Go away. Come, come back, back later. later. Yeah. And if they were talking, and especially if like, so they come in, they they mess it up again. Um, yeah. They both, again, didn't turn off the water main. And so water is shooting sure. everywhere. Yeah. And they tell Billy, oh, you're going to have to switch cabins while we fix this. And... Buddy goes to grab his luggage and a huge bottle of booze falls out onto the pavement and smashes on the sidewalk. And that is our act break, too, is them staring at this smashed bottle of of booze. And I'm pretty sure, 
so you only get like a split second look at this bottle and then all right so when they come back um ernst is very concerned why this person who can legally buy alcohol has bought alcohol yeah he's Um, very upset yeah and and uh melody covers for him by saying oh isn't this the bottle of brandy that you were you were taking to our parents friends Uncle, yeah yeah that sort of thing i think it was brandy the the bottle that they show for a half a second looked like a brandy bottle and now i'm really concerned about what kind of poirot drunk billy is right i mean fucking dude whatever was this to- the case of rosé that you were taking to our uncle yeah so um he's he's old <laughs> enough to drink melody i'm, I'm hooked on midori sours <laughs> help me <laughs> Yes. Help me! I have, I have I have had two fuzzy navels already, <laughs> Melody. If I don't get a rum punch right away, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh, uh, Billy, schnapp out of it! <laughs> <laughs> so Melody immediately covers for her. She knows to, how to tell this story quickly about her brother. About this was a gift, and he was taking it on his drive to their uncle. And Billy plays along. And then Ernst buys it, and he walks away, and Billy's like, oh, thanks, Mel, you really saved me. And I'm like, from what? The disapproval of a stranger? Like, he's he's not yeah. your boss. You're old enough to drink. You're on a road trip. Like, he saved you from what? It's really weird. And and it if they hadn't made such a big point about, like, oh, he's going to med school, I would have been like, well, maybe he is underage. But he's clearly, he's just yeah. not. Yeah. So... Now the episode takes a fucking turn Ooh. deep into the land of Don't fucking it. Sam Shepard. Hey, dude. I was going to say Arthur Miller takes over writing the episode <laughs> yes, right now. Yes. And it becomes very serious. I like I like Sam Shepard's Hey, Dude a lot better, by the way. <laughs> it's like, what's this, What's a good Sam Shepard play? Oh, he wrote Cowboy Mouth. There we go. There, you go. there it is. Um, so <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is Sam Shepard's False West. High five. <laughs> Theater jokes. Theater jokes. <laughs> Sam Shepard wrote True West, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. did it, everybody. Buried dude. That's, <laughs> that's what's happening here. Oh my god. Buried adult oh, consenting so age gross. drinker. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, Chelsea, you hit on land. You hit like an oil oil reserve <laughs> like this geyser. joke. You gotta mine it for everything <laughs> it's worth. So Melody's like, I want to talk to you. What are you doing? We promised we'd never be like dad. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's how she she knows how to cover so well. So immediately. And that's, you know, the alcoholism is a, 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 you know, a family hereditary problem. It's just like a lot on this first line is it's, it's such a right turn because it's like, I'm going to say a line that puts everything into focus because we are right now switching over to, we need to fix this problem. Right. She's, uh, Billy says, I'm not like dad. Dad was an alcoholic. I'm not like him. I never will be. But she feels like these words ring hollow. And then he immediately makes an excuse. He's like, Allison and I aren't together anymore. She's in love with someone else. She broke up with me. Mm -hmm. And instead of Melody being like, oh my God, that's so sad. Of course you need to drink. She's immediately like, that's an excuse. And I'm not going to let you do to your life what dad did to his. And she starts crying and she says she's scared. And yeah. It's kind of a fundamental understanding. She says, well, I don't understand how drinking can make you feel better, which is, you know, she might as well just say, I've never drank before. (laughs) Um, But she's very upset. And I know that this this actor becomes a much better actor later on, but she is the most upset that anyone has ever been in their life in this moment. And Billy 
she's so upset, in fact, that Billy is like, fine, I won't drink if you'll just please stop being this goddamn upset. Yeah, he's like, I promise you I'll never drink again, which feels, that yeah. I mean, not a promise that's able to be kept. Nah. But the next time we see them, cut to a few days later, they're playing rowboat polo. Which looks fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> we only see five seconds of it, and I was like, you I'd kill myself before <laughs> I would get into rowboat polo. Well, you're not the only one, because Billy needs a drink after this. So yeah, he dude. says, he tells Melody they get out of the boats, and it breaks over. She has to go back to work, and he says, you know, I feel great the last few days since I quit drinking. You know, I feel awesome, but... I think I'm going to head into town to catch a movie. And she smells a rat immediately. She's like, no, don't go. Just hang out here. And he says, I won't even stop at the snack bar. Either you trust me or you don't. And Melody's like, well, of course I trust you. And Billy leaves, which... He's going into town to see a movie because he needs a little excitement. Um, You just... Yeah, no. It just... The whole thing is... It's really... We don't Do you want to ask of... any of these underage kids to go with you, or are you just going <laughs> hey, to head to movies by yourself? Wait a second. Are you seeing a, an X-rated movie? Would you like to take Buddy with you? He's trying to be more adult recently. This all works okay. out. You guys go get yourself some cocaine. Cocaine. Uh, my cocaine. <laughs> Michael cocaine. So the next scene is later that night, and we have a weird... Okay, so... Melody's excited uh, because that's her thing. And Danny and some other girl are playing Spit in the Ocean, which I didn't look up and I don't want to know about. Nope. Um, it's it's, da- it's Danny like... and Brad. Brad oh, is the yes. other girl. Right. I forget that Brad is a lady. Yep. Um, Brad looks like a lady. And uh, then Ernst comes up and he's like, hey, why don't we play Twister like we always used to? It's a warning sign. But we don't have time for that special episode right now. Uh, but Buddy's like, well, that's a kid's game. Get away from me. And he feels disrespected all over again. Yeah, it's so funny how kids of this age get upset about things that are just innocuous to the adults around them. They're like, I, you can't be upset about everything. Like, I used to get I very upset by being asked yeah. to order off the child's menu when yeah. I was just a little too old. And I'd get a child's menu in a restaurant. I would be like, how dare you i don't want chicken nuggets i'd like chicken tenders <laughs> right exactly i think my problem was always i looked from age about five i looked bigger than a 12 year old so it was constantly i didn't have time to have an opinion about it my parents were too busy trying to convince the shoney's waitress that i was <laughs> an 18 year old about to go into the marines <laughs> but i don't remember this being like a thing uh, in my young life i did stupid things like I think I've already mentioned the time I tried on deodorant and then cried about it. Um, did I <laughs> yes. mention that on here? Yeah. Yes. Oh, boy. And the time my sister and I rolled up construction paper because we wanted to smoke. Yep. But otherwise, I was very comfortable being a sheltered child. That's mm-hmm. the one thing about being a sheltered child is like, well, I don't want to. The, everything seemed real scary. <laughs> yeah, I was like, right. this bubble. Uh, but I don't remember expressing like my, my independence in that way. Really, I do. I remember getting upset when I was just slightly too old for things mm-hmm. with, that if they would be offered to me, it, I took that as a as a personal offense that you are trying to keep me down, as you're trying to treat me like a baby when yeah. I'm a big kid. Um, and so that's where Buddy is. And but now the worm has turned, and the boys, Danny and Jake, want Ernst to let Buddy yes. move in with them because they want him to do their laundry or something. I guess. Yeah, um, they're gonna so make him a little, little teeny tiny. Hey, dude, Butler. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, dude, Friday. Um, 
so yes, and then there's a dramatic phone call. Yes, this is the approach to the inmost cave yeah. call to the cave. Um, the phone rings. Jake answers. What? Uncle Ben, I think what? you should take this. It's oh, the no. police. What? There's been a car accident, and oh. Melanie immediately what? knows what's happening. The camera this is cuts so to her. Dramatic. This is the most dramatic shot. There are gobos at work in this scene. Yes. <laughs> There's so, lighting, and it is very dramatic. Sam Shepard is not going to relinquish the writing pen for the rest of the episode, so just hang on. It's He's still at, the, at, at bat. Um, it turns out Billy was in an accident. No one was hurt, but he's at the police station because he was drunk driving, drunk driving. and he needs to be bailed out. And Ernst is like, come on, Melody, let's go bail your brother out. And she's like, uh, no, he promised me he can rot in jail. I'm not going. You go get him if you want to get him out. I'm not going. And it's not about the money. Like, you can leave it's him not. there. And then she and does a, an amazing thing, which I, I, it's in so many things, and I love it every time. It never works. The she, she storms away, but then turns around for one last moment, can't think of what to say, and sort of does a shrugging, throwing away yes. motion. Yes, That just, it never looks natural. It always looks like somebody's just, like, miming, throwing paint on something. Yeah, like, what am I to do? What could we possibly do now? Yeah. Um, big shrug. Well your, put your wrist to your forehead and go, oh, yes. and run away. The music isn't sure what to do in this moment. <laughs> oh, no. Um, the music, the, music, the, music, the hey dude is, music is has never, the, yeah, no. has never encountered anything this dramatic. It's, it's I, I think kind of the grappling. hey dude music is sort of like hearing about this story for the first time because it really has trouble <laughs> keeping up with all of the does. shifts. So the next day, Billy has busted out of jail, uh, by yeah. which I mean Ernst just went down and bailed him out. <laughs> Ernst bailed him out, and this is the supreme ordeal. Boy, uh, boy. Melody is sitting on a like, bench or lug or something, and Billy comes out to say, I'm leaving, and she doesn't even want to talk to him. And he says, I know I embarrassed you, but I didn't plan on this. It just happened, which is like all the wrong things to say in a row. Sure. It's not about her being embarrassed. She doesn't. That's not what she cares about. He didn't plan on this, obviously, but he also didn't do anything to keep it from happening. And yeah. it just happened. He totally abdicates personal responsibility. Sure. But so, there's also this this huge shift from, hey, man, I know you didn't, you know, I know you don't want to talk to me ever again, but, you know, any half-hearted apology into being enraged at Melanie not being there for him. It's like, whoa, dude. Yeah. You- he hey, blames dude. her for not. Hey, hey dude. dude. Hey, dude. <laughs> Maybe that's why there's no punctuation there. They're leaving it up to you, yeah. Christopher Walken style, to make up the punctuation. It's like, hey, period, dude, exclamation point. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. Um, but yeah, so he's like, you should have been there for me. Um, I really needed you. And she kind of goes off. She's like, look, ever since you've got here, all I've done is lie to people for you. I've lied to my friends. I've lied to my boss. That makes me feel bad about myself. And I worry about you constantly. And you will kill yourself if you keep drinking. I used to look up to you. You were my hero. No matter how bad things got with dad, you were always there for me. But now you're just like dad and I'm just like mom. I'm just enabling you. I'm just covering for right. you, which and is again, like a lot, like, like very self-aware. She's been up all night yeah. reading, you know, the codependency in you or whatever, right. because she she has immediately sort of distilled everything that's happening down into, oh, my God, you've turned into dad and I've turned into mom. Yeah, it's real. It's very dramatic. Um, and again, a, a lot of reasons. You're like dad and you're making me cover for you and you've let me down and, you know, you're going to kill yourself and I have a problem with your drinking. And then he pretty much says, yeah, I guess you're right about everything. And Allison broke up with me because we'd been arguing about my drinking problem. And then he yeah. reveals I'm that he's... I'm scared to go to medical school. Yeah. 
Um, I have to fly home because they suspended my license. Suspended and his license. And he's ashamed to face his dad, which is fine. But she's like, but dad could help you get into AA. Yeah. I'm like, shouldn't you be more scared to face mom? Isn't mom the Or the, the court one? system? <laughs> right. Justice. Um, so she's like, yeah, maybe, you know, because he has to fly home and dad's going to pick him up from the airport. And she says, maybe dad could take you to an AA meeting. And, AA, you know, dad says AA saved his life. And mm-hmm. Melody is like, I know you can do it because you're my big brother. And he says, I love you. And they hug. And this is a little bit like, oh, yeah, this was the time of the 90s. Like both of her refusing to go bail him out. And this sort of like, the answer is AA firmly positions this at a certain point in the 90s where we were super into, as a culture, tough love. Yeah. Um, and the idea that like, it was it would be very easy to get people to stop drinking if they would just all agree to go to AA. Mm-hmm. That is the solution. And, and it's really, I mean, again, we've, we've talked about this in a lot of different episodes. There's just not enough time to really yeah. dive deep into like, well, if you're feeling pressures, here's how to handle, you know, stress management. Um, or, you know, if it's a hereditary problem, then you do need to be aware of that. And, yeah. you know, or do you want to go to medical school? Or you're just doing it because you feel that? like you have to, do you want to yeah. go be a painter? You know, like, Hey, by the way, you seem to have a real disconnect when you were talking about Allison before. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is so Allison okay? <laughs> this is the Supreme ordeal and it isn't really, I mean, the, res- the resolution feels optimistic, but nothing is mm-hmm. really fixed, which honestly is probably the most realistic part of this episode sure um the fact that he promises her he'll never drink again and then does a couple of days later and the most that they can hope for is that he'll continue to like try to get help like that's the best possible outcome um so that was the that's the thing and i guess that if the journey has been you know how are we going to be we used to be adult siblings where dad was the enemy and you and i were on the same team and now we're adults and we are not on you know like we have to come to a different kind of understanding that's where we are um, so now we go back, we have a bit of an act three, a return sure. to the, return to the ordinary world, a healing of the community, commence upon a new and better life where we actually get some nice resolution of our B plot. Um, mm-hmm. buddy has been given permission to move out 60 yards away from the yeah. lodge down to the bunk. Yep. Um, Ernst is distraught and buddy's like, I'll see you at dinner. And actually it's. It's cute. I mean, it's the yeah, it's, it's the same idea as like your kid going off to camp at thirteen, or what. It's like a yeah. taste of independence, even though obviously you're still, you know, under. He still lives at your dude ranch. He's still under your rules. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that's uh that's the end of the episode. Yeah. He promises to go to AA. Buddy moves out. Ernst sucks his thumb and then acts like his thumb tastes gross. The end. The so let's let's. To unpack our feelings about this a little bit because sure. I actually, are you okay? I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's don't. great, but I don't think it's terrible. I think it's an interesting take on the teen drinking thing that we haven't seen before because normally it's so like sturm underdrang, like you yeah. have one beer at a party and you will fall off a roof. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of like this kid is too old to be for underage drinking to be the thing. Underage yeah. kids have a reaction to the drinking, but none of them actually drink. Um, and also there isn't there isn't really a resolution. You really get the feeling that he's going to have to try very hard for probably a long time to get this under control. Yeah. I, I don't you know, it just I, and I, I, I agree, especially the moment of, you know, 
what's sort of insidious about alcohol abuse or alcoholism being that, you know, it leads to so many trust issues and, and trust being destroyed and, and so on and so forth. It just, it's the same problem I keep coming up with is there's just so many causes and effects and reasons and solutions. They're just saying everything that could possibly apply to the situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in such a way that you, you, you do end up like cherry picking you know, this, well, this is technically a good solution and well, this is a good moment, but it's just so right. inundated with, you know, uh, clearly all of the answers to all of the problem that you don't end up with like very substantial stuff. And I mean, I, you want to be inclusive to let everybody know that this is a problem that anybody can take care of. But then at the same time, you end up with, you know, not really having a, a central problem behind the behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's also a weird thing where, like, they go out of their way for Danny to bring up the stereotype of um, Native American drunks that he's like, I can't be part of that. But they don't have Melody ever say, you know, there is some research to support that alcoholism is hereditary. And we shouldn't even, you shouldn't ever be even tempting this because it runs in our family. Um, which is not something that we discovered in the last five years. Like this knowledge was fully available in the nineties. I just find it odd. That that seems to be a very compelling point. If you're trying to get someone to stop drinking, be like, yeah, dad, dad thought he had it under control too. It's funny that you mentioned like the, how recent this episode is because a lot of the language and opinions and things like that really remind me of the uh, Leave it to Beaver episode on alcoholism mm-hmm. and alcohol mm-hmm. abuse that we looked at. Yep. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of weird. At least they didn't do the thing of like, Melody realizes that she's... She blames herself for being an enabler, but no one else does. And mm-hmm. she almost as soon as she says, oh, my God, I'm doing the same thing mom did for dad. She's like, I'm not doing it anymore. So yeah. she doesn't she doesn't get into a cycle where she's like, this is partially my fault. I knew he was drinking and I let him go to town anyway. Like, right. luckily, we escape. We we skirt all of that, yeah. um, which is a good a nice omission. Uh, and we have to believe that that was intentional because there are other episodes where Melody beats herself up about stuff that she's done that no one else is concerned about. Sure. Um, so I think it's interesting. I just don't know that like, I don't have the facts in front of me, but I feel like as a, there's a reason we don't do the tough love thing anymore. Yeah. Sort of like kick your it's... kid out. If you found, if you find a jazz cigarette in his room, <laughs> exactly. let him see how he likes living on the streets. Like there's a reason we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so it does feel a little bit harsh when she's like, no, he can rot in jail for all I care. It's like, dude, yeah. you, some it's your brother. Maybe, You're maybe kind of, you need to go. Maybe, maybe that's not going to fix everything. I think that that was the big idea behind tough love was, you know, is the only answer to enabling is complete separation, and that's just not. No, it's just exactly. It's a, it's a bit much. Yeah, it's a bit um, much. Also, if we, you know, if we believe that this is at least partially does to the brain what an addiction is partially like a a somewhat a disease um not abdicating total personal responsibility it's different for everybody but if you Mm -hmm. especially if it's hereditary then you can give some grace around like oh i don't know that my haranguing you about drinking and not making excuses for your drinking anymore is actually going to stop you from drinking or if you'll just start hiding it from me 
Yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it's however much you want to put on this episode, you know, for its own personal responsibility. But then furthermore, AA being the answer to everything alcohol related is just not the best idea anymore. There are so many better, more personal programs that people can get into. Right. Um, and I think they mentioned Al-Anon here as well, which is fine. They're all they're good programs, but it's just not the end-all be-all of every sort of counseling. No, it's not a magic wand that you no. wave over an alcoholic person and they're finding their family's fine. I mean, uh, props to giving us, name-checking a specific organization sure. that a person could check out. But this isn't even really like... You wonder who the audience for this is. And maybe Nickelodeon did too, and that's why it's a lost episode. Because it's not like a, hey, kids, don't drink. And it's not like a, if your mom is drinking, it's not your fault. It's like a, it's this weird thing of, it's just, it's like a weird little play about these siblings coming out of childhood into adulthood and having, and the sister being like, you're not my hero, in fact... Yeah. I have to move on into a world where like you've let me down too, which is way too much for an episode of Nickelodeon TV. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably for the best that this was lost, I think. It's just and honestly for for an episode of TV, it's just not it's just not great. It's just it's that you have a very unserious story about a kid wanting to move in with uh, you know his friends you know alongside drunk driving and you know alcoholism yeah, and if children anything... <laughs> and children having to cover for their parents alcoholism if anything know. deserved a full uh no b plot exploration if anything it? deserved like the whole episode of time to be dealt yeah. with it's it's this May and especially such an important plot point as Buddy moving out yeah. uh, should have should have gotten its own episode as well. Really should have gotten its own episode. Um, um, yeah, so I would the answer to the question: Would we show this to kids today? Is like which kids? Like I don't quite understand yeah. who who is who is to benefit. This is clearly a very special episode because this is so out of sync with the tone of other episodes of Hey Dude. Yeah. But I don't really know who it's supposed to benefit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But any any kid, I feel like you're never going to hit the right spot for a kid to enjoy this or appreciate it. <laughs> I, I very quickly changed that to appreciate. Uh, look, if it's a young kid, they're not going to really get the whole idea behind it. And they're not going to want to see their favorite Hey Dude characters you know, talking so goddamn much. And then when you're older, you know a lot better than this. I, I guess it's just for that 1% of kid who's like, wait, what? That that one kid <laughs> in the different strokes class when they're like, has anybody ever heard of drugs? And, and they're, if you haven't heard of drugs, raise your hand. And that one girl does. It's for her. This episode's for that right. one girl. Because there's not even like a... She doesn't even assert herself strongly enough to be like, you know what? Mom blamed herself when this mm. happened to dad and I refuse to blame myself for, you know, like there's not even a takeaway, a little mantra you could internalize if something like this were going on in your life as a kid. It's, yeah. And it's a lot of like presupposition during that big dramatic scene, which is really what weighs it down is if you, you're going to do this and I'm going to become this and then I'm going to be that I'm going to be, I'm going to be like my mom, mm-hmm. you're going to keep doing this and then I'm going to be like mom and then this and that and the other. And you know, it, really you can just say, Hey, you were so out of control that you drove drunk and you got arrested. The end. Right. Right. Um, but what did we, what did we learn from this episode? 
I guess, if, I if guess, we're ready to get into that question. I mean, what did I learn? I learned that that guy that rode Speed worked on Hey Dude. Straight up. And Speed 2, Cruise Control. Cruise Control. And I realized I found out that the dude who wrote Speed uh, created the the series Justified, which is... yeah. Really I actually learned a lot about him. I did. <laughs> Thank goodness somebody researched him uh, correctly, like they I, meant to. I learned. I learned there was a uh, lost episode of Hey Dude. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Um, having seen this whole thing, and I didn't realize. I don't know if I didn't pay enough attention to Hey Dude, but I didn't realize there was a buddy subplot of him moving in with the older dudes. Yeah, I sure. mean, I guess that is bound to happen at some point. If you have, uh, you employ kids that are just enough older than him that he wants really, really, really to be accepted by them, at some point he's going to try to join them. Yeah. Who do you want to hug? I mean, Melody, I right? Think so. This is a shitty situation to be in. I might want to hug the Berlin Wall for how, uh, you know, how it's used so uh, irrespectively. <laughs> Getting dragged into this. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 hey, I'm just, I'm just a symbol of oppression and fascism, please. Don't get me in the middle of this drama. Um, no, I think you, you hug Melody, uh, especially since I know for a fact that this very mellow melody dramatic melodramatic oh my god um, nope it's fine we're moving past it uh <laughs> this melodramatic way that she's acting which is of course in keeping with any nickelodeon show that you watch she graduates from this at some point along the way and becomes a much better actor right and i'm sure she could pull off the i'm leaving wait a second oh never mind i'm leaving again i'm sure she could pull <laughs> that off in real life now I thought i had something to say but it turns out there's nothing to say i have emotions <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, there's our first foray into Hey Dude. Chelsea, do you think it'll be our last foray into Hey Dude? I hope not. I'm, I do you like think we'll hey have dude. future for Hey Dudes into Hey Dude? I hope so. <laughs> we'll have some more forays into this. Um, I would say <laughs> don't show this. The Dudeverse. I would say don't show this to kids, but you can't find it anyway. So yeah, there's really no danger. For real. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much for joining us as we watched the last episode of Hey Dude. Um, and please join us next time. It was good to talk to y'all. We like you very much. Your Yay. smiles, your smiles give us hope. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, you. So, uh, yes, thank you very much for joining us uh, today, and we will see you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!